This is a message that's a bit unique this morning. Um, do we have any kids in our service this morning? No children. I didn't think so. They're all in Sunday school. But uh, next service, um, we're going to be calling the kids up to the front. There's no children's church uh, today. And uh, I'm going to be giving all the children uh, a dollar bill. Okay? And uh, what I'm going to be encouraging them, so if you're in the video venue, uh, second hour, uh, children, you need to come up to the front because you're all going to be getting a dollar. And while I preach this sermon, I want you to be asking the Lord what he would have you to do with this dollar. Okay? Now, I'm not encouraging you to put it in the offering plate. Uh, God may have you to do something else uh, this week with this dollar. So be be listening to the sermon very closely. And then I also encourage you to draw a picture of what God might have you to do this week. Okay? Now, you may not finish this picture in this worship service, and that's okay. You can take it home. Mom and Dad might be able to help you draw the picture of uh, what the sermon was all about. Uh, but you can bring it back next week, or if you're done during the service, you can put it on the wall just outside uh, the chapel here so that everybody else can see it. Okay? So really anxious uh, to see what, uh, how, what, you, what creative things you're going to do during this service. Um, as we look at the book of Luke, all right, so if you have Luke, and uh, sorry, none of you are uh, in kindergarten through third or fourth grade, don't tell me that it never pays to go to church, okay? But uh, Luke chapter 16, and we are in a unique passage this morning. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at the prodigal son. And uh, that's a very familiar passage of Scripture, and it's easy to get the message from uh, that parable. But this morning's parable is a little trickier, and we might be wondering, you know, what, Jesus, are you trying to convey to us? And so I'm going to do my best this morning. Verse 1 of chapter 16. He also said to the disciples, speaking of Jesus, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. 
For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Here is another passage of scripture that where Jesus is referring to money and possessions. Uh, scholars tell us, and as we read, study the parables, we can learn that uh, 16 out of Jesus's 38 parables deal with money and possessions. And uh, here in this passage of scripture, we see it once again. And uh, what's happening here is there's a rich man, and he's hired a manager to take care of his... Uh, of his resources, and this manager has uh, has not done a good job. Now, understand, get the picture here that the the rich man has hired a manager. The manager is just overseeing the rich man's possessions. The manager does not own these possessions. He works for the rich man. Now, if there were children in this service this morning, understand, kids, that as you receive that dollar this morning, you know what? That's not your dollar. That dollar has come from the Lord, and he's entrusted you with that dollar. Now, moms and dads, look at your income. Look at your resources. Suppose you received a $400 paycheck uh, this week. Okay, now think about this for a moment. And I don't want you to answer out loud because I don't want anybody to embarrass themselves. But of the $400, how much belongs to the Lord? Don't answer. How much? If you said $40, you're wrong. That's the tithe. That's what goes back to the Lord, but what belongs to the Lord? All of it. All $400 comes from the Lord. You're just a steward. I'm just a steward. We're just the manager. And God has entrusted those resources uh, to us to be good stewards. You know, the Bible says it all belongs to the Lord. If you have your Bibles or if you have your outline this morning, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 13 through 16. This is after uh, 
Israel had given an offering to the Lord to to build the, the temple that Solomon was going to build. This was David's prayer, and David says this, But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you, O Lord our God. All this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. How can it be the Lord's? How can everything be the Lord's? Well, think about it for a moment. God has given you the health in order to have a job. God has given you a mind. He's given you the education. He's given you the tools, the hands, the skills necessary to earn a living. All that you have today, all belongs to the Lord. So keep this in mind as we're looking at this passage of Scripture this morning. Now, what has happened in this parable? The rich man has fired his manager. News has come to the, to, the, to the owner that the manager has been dishonest. He can't be trusted. Uh, in essence, he's kind of cooked the books. Uh, he's, uh, he's just conveyed a message that uh, the rich man is worth more than he really is um, that he really has uh, money in the bank. And so it's, he's come to the conclusion that this manager can no longer work for him. And so here's this manager, and he's thinking to himself, what in the world am I going to do? I can't dig. I'm not strong enough. I'm too old to have a, a, a manual labor job, and uh, I don't want to beg. What am I going to do? And so he thinks about... Uh, the people that uh, owe the owner money, people that he's managed. And he goes back to those people who owe the owner money, and he begins to make deals. And uh, he, he cuts them a deal. And he's thinking to himself, listen, if I can scratch their back, if I can help them out in their debt, get them out of debt, then surely people will... Welcome me with open arms when I'm down on my luck. And so that's what he does. He begins to make deals. And uh, the interesting thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is in verse 8. The Bible says, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He made deals beyond, behind the owner's back, and the owner commends him for his shrewdness. Where are you coming from, Jesus? Why are you commending him? He's not praising him, but he's commending him for what? He's commending him for thinking about his future. You know... He knows he can't change the past, but he can do something today 
that will help him with his future. And so the master commends the dishonest manager. The dishonest manager is thinking about his earthly well-being. He's thinking about those who may be able to help him out, who might be able to welcome him in. And Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture, just as the dishonest manager is thinking about his future, his earthly well-being, as God's children, we need to be thinking of our heavenly future. And who is it that's going to welcome us in to those eternal dwellings in heaven? Again, I told you that this was not an easy parable to, to understand. But Jesus is teaching us in this passage of scriptures this morning is how to handle our money appropriately. And there's two things I want to share this morning that we, we see from this passage. Number one, we need to invest in eternal matters. Invest in eternal matters. Look at verse 9. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Now, what does he mean by unrighteous wealth? Well, as we earn money, we have to uh, be careful of the wealth that we accumulate. Because wealth wealth is really uh, amoral. It's neither bad nor good. But it's... What we do with that wealth that is either a tool that serves God or, um, uh, or uh, an idol that uh, ruins our lives. And so we have to be careful with the wealth that we accumulate. So let me read this again. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. What's Jesus telling us in this passage of Scripture? He's saying that, friends, we need to be generous with the monies that we earn. And we need to invest it in eternal friends. The shrewd manager was just thinking about his earthly dwellings. And he was thinking about people who might be able to help him when he's without a job. But when it comes to God's children and when God blesses us with resources, you know what? We need to invest that uh, into eternal things so that when we get to heaven, there's going to be people who are going to receive us, welcome us into those eternal dwellings. Now, I can just feel the tension, okay, as I'm preaching in this service and the next service. Oh, there goes pastor again. And they take out their wallet, and they're wanting to hold on to their wallet. There's pastor. He just wants my money again. It reminds me of um, a hunting expedition. There was this... uh, uh, 
this man who took three pastors out to to hunt. You've heard probably heard this tell me this story before, but they went elk hunting. And uh, this guy took a Catholic priest, a Jewish rabbi, and a Baptist preacher hunting for elk. And the guys came up upon this bull elk. And here were these three religious men. They took out their rifles, and they all three aimed at this elk. And they all shot at the same time. And when they shot, that elk fell right in its path, right where it was standing. And then here's these three men. They're saying, hey, I killed the elk. The Catholic priest says, no, I killed the elk. No, but the Jewish rabbi said, no, I killed the elk. And uh, so they were coming, who killed the elk? And so the guide said, you guys stay right here, and I'll go and check and uh, see who killed the elk. The guy went out, checked, came back, and uh, the man said, the guide said, the Baptist preacher killed the elk. And they thought, how do you know it was the Baptist preacher? And the guide said, because it went in one ear and out the other. All right? Has it gone in one ear and out the other? Remember, when it comes to our resources, when God has given us the funds that we have to to live, to thrive, to provide for our family... Again, who do those funds belong to? They belong to the Lord. God has entrusted you with that investment, and God wants you to invest in eternal things. Why? So that you can be a blessing to others. And so that you can show the love of God to others. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's Lord's. What's going to happen with the resources that God's entrusted to us, according to verse 9? The Bible says one of these days... It's going to fail. It's not always going to be there. You can't take it with you. And when you leave it behind, friend, what's going to happen to it? Is the money going to go to people who love the Lord, who are involved in kingdom work, and God's kingdom is going to flourish, it's going to be sustained, it's going to be it's going to increase. Or is it going to people or things that are just going to waste it away? Jesus says, when it fails. There's going to be a time, church, when all your precious earthly possessions are going to fit into a hospital drawer. You can't take it with you. 
Jesus is wanting us to invest our worldly wealth into eternal things. We just can't be thinking about the earthly, the temporal. God wants us to invest in such a way that when we pass, when we walk through heaven's door, there is going to be a reception line filled with people who were blessed by our investment. Who's going to be in that reception line? There are going to be people from Burma in that reception line as, as you've uh, given to the, the Withams as they've gone on, on missions to Myanmar. There are going to be people from Togo in that reception line as you've invest in eternal matters when it's come to Garen and Susan Harris or others who have gone on mission to Togo? Are there going to be people from Mojave or California City or Studio City or wherever as you've been faithful to the Lord's um, budget here at Emmanuel and as you've given of your 10%. Are there going to be people across the United States and and major cities across North America who are going to be in that reception line because you've been faithful to give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering? Or internationally, as people have come to Christ through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, who's going to be in the reception line? The more faithful you are, the priority you make in giving back to the Lord what is His in the first place. And it begins with 10%. It doesn't begin with tipping God begins with the 10%. That's not just an Old Testament law. People were tithing before the God instituted the law. As we're faithful, there are going to be people in heaven welcoming you into the kingdom. Who knows who's going to be in that welcoming line. And it may take all of eternity to meet all of them. Folks, that's what God would have us do. That's what Jesus is telling us in this passage of Scripture. What you've entrusted me, Lord, now, how can I bless others? How can I encourage them? How can I show that I care? How can I show that you care? That's what Jesus wants to do us to do with our funds. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is this. Those trusted will be rewarded in verses 10 through 12. They will be rewarded. Now, listen to Jesus' words. This honest manager had lost his responsibility. He had been dishonest with his funds, but he commended him for what he had done. Now, he, he wasn't rewarded. 
his temporal life was going to be much different now. This dishonest manager was irresponsible and lost. He had to go and find another job. But what happens to those who are faithful with eternal investments? Jesus says they are going going to receive true riches. Look at verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? God rewards those who are faithful, who are sacrificial, who are generous with unrighteous wealth. God rewards them with true riches. Now, please don't think, all right? You're thinking to yourself, okay, I hear this, Pastor, and I haven't been faithful, and I want to start giving, and so that as I start giving, God's going to give me more resources. God's going to give me more wealth. We're talking about true riches. We're not necessarily talking about worldly wealth. God wants you... God, God wants to bless you far more than worldly wealth. So don't leave here this morning and thinking, you know, as I give, I'm going to manipulate God in giving me more money. God may not give you more money. But God certainly promises to reward you with true True riches. God may give you more money, money, but he's not giving you more money to increase your standard of living. God may want to give you more money so that he can give, help you increase your standard of giving. But it's not just about money. God is good, and true riches await those whom God finds trustworthy. Some of you have been working really hard. You've built big barns for yourselves. In the eyes of God, you're poor. But in the eyes of man, you're wealthy. You're rich. But spiritually, you're bankrupt. God wants to reward you with spiritual riches. And no, you can't go back and change the past. The past is over and done. But you can be like the shrewd manager and you can take advantage of today which will influence, which will impact your future. Jesus wants you to do this, my friend, so that he can reward you with true spiritual blessings. I know I'm speaking to young families in this service as well. And I know that you struggle to make ends meet. 
and you, you hear a message on giving and stewardship, and you're thinking to yourself, how in the world am I going to be able to do that? Well, one of the things that we want to encourage you with is uh, the Dave Ramsey uh, series. We want to encourage you to go through that Dave Ramsey series, and it helps you to be a better steward of your finances, getting out of debt so that you're in a position to give. One thing I can testify to you this morning is this. You know, when Susan and I first got married, um, you know, we're not perfect when it comes to our finances. We've made mistakes. But one commitment we made early on in our marriage was we were going to give to the Lord's work. It all belonged to the Lord, but he wanted to give us 10% back to him. We've been faithful with that 10%. And I'm here to share with you this morning that God has been very faithful in our lives. And we're not rich. I'm sure my bank account does not compare to your bank account. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of doubt that God has rewarded Susan and I with true spiritual blessings that money cannot buy. Jesus says he wants to do the same thing in your life. Don't give thinking that you can manipulate God with more income. You give, and you trust God, and you believe and know that God is the rewarder of those who are faithful. Jesus' words are true. And why do we give? We give, my friend, because Jesus has given his all for us. He gave everything for us. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for, his, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become this needs to be our motivation for getting back, giving back to the Lord. My friend, your wallet does not belong to you. Everything you have, everything you are, is because of the grace of God in your life. And he wants you to take his resources as the owner and you the manager and invest in eternal matters. Why? 
because Jesus gave all of himself for us. That's our motivation for giving back to him. Jesus gave everything for us. Let's pray. My friend, what is your heart saying in this in this service this morning? It's not easy as your pastor to talk about money. But this morning, these are Jesus' words. Jesus wants you to be generous. Jesus wants you to invest so that he might be able to reward you in return. The true riches that money cannot buy. Lord Jesus, you tell us that we can't serve both. We either worship you and use money as a tool to serve you and others, or we worship money. As if we worship money, it is a cruel God, and you withhold true blessings, true riches from our lives. I thank you, Jesus, that you give us second chances and that you want us to take advantage of the moment that it might impact our future. I pray that you would encourage each one in this room this morning. Help us to know, help us to see that Jesus, it's all about what you did for us on the cross. That's why we give back. Thank you. Thank you for entrusting resources to us. Help us as your managers to be good stewards. In Jesus' name.